0: Welcome to The Dose of Caesar, the podcast where we run weekly life experiments, question our assumptions, and explore new ways of thinking. I'm your host and fellow experimenter, Caesar. All right, this podcast is not brought to you by the book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up by Marie Kondo. So, two reasons I love this book. First, is that it gives you a method for actually tidying up. That's number one, it does, it does what it says. But second, it's that it, it indirectly presents like a philosophy to live your life by that I think is really helpful. Here's the summary that I would give to this book. This book is about finding the things in your life that bring you joy, bringing those things to the front of your life so that they are a part of every day, and learning to let go of what, does, of, what of those things that don't bring you joy so that you allow yourself to live the life that you want. And listen, I get it. You might not want to buy a book. You might not want to. I mean, you don't trust me. I get it. But guess what? Let, let You can listen to this book for free. <laughs> I messed that up. I was reading this this whole thing I had written. But anyway, you can listen to this book for free on Scribd. That's right. The Netflix of books has this book for free in audio. You don't even have to listen to it. It's four hours long. Somebody will read it to you. And it's all for free because Scribd offers a one-month free trial. So go on to Scribd.com, get your free trial, and listen to the book of The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. Once again, this podcast is not brought to you... Oh, Jesus, those bees, they get me. It's not brought to you by the book The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up by Marie Kondo. It's also not brought to you by Scribd. This this podcast is not brought to you by anything. These are just things I enjoy. All right. Besides fi- the fact that I blundered, that's what they call it in chess. Whenever you make a move that is a terrible fucking move, like you could have made... a a way better move they call it a blunder. you can analyze your chess game on on chess.com and it'll tell you you just fucking blundered like when you analyze it it's kind of it's kind of uh, it's a little aggressive but i just blundered in the beginning here we're gonna keep going what's the update on the weekly experiment last week's experiment was 308 kettlebell swings a day we started off strong we continued mildly strong except for Saturday. When cheat day came, I think I only did about 100 swings. I fucked up. I get it. I fucked up. Um, here, are, here are a few things that happened throughout the week. Uh, I, one, I realized that 300 kettlebell swings isn't that much. When I was coming into the experiment, I really thought like, holy shit, 308 kettlebell swings, that's a lot. It's really not that much at all. And you can do a lot of kettlebell swings pretty fucking fast. It got annoying very quickly that I had to do 22 kettlebell swings every hour. Another thing that happened was that my form definitely got better. One of the things that I was very concerned about was injury. I didn't want to <laughs> just do the kettlebell swings with a bad bad form and then just get injured and not be able to continue with the experiment. So I really got my form down. Uh, the third thing is that they definitely got easier as the days went on. Even now that I, I'm still doing them, it's way easier, and I can do them much faster without getting tired. Um, talking about weight, we were using weight as our measurement, right? Uh, the final weigh-in is tomorrow. My weight before cheat day, before Saturday, was 182.7 pounds. I, I, that means I lost, like, uh, what was it, 1.8 pounds? I don't know. I suck at math here. (laughs) Uh, I lost more than a pound and went down by half a centimeter in uh, waist. It was 100.5 centimeters my waist. However, two days after cheat day, I weighed uh, in at 190 pounds, which I'm not too worried about. It's expected after, especially after the cheat day that I had. Um, The other thing is, is that the waist... Was a hundred point nine centimeters, so that's exactly why I'm not worried. I mean, there's no way, it's not, it's not fat, you know. Maybe there's a little fat gain, but even then, I, I don't think so. Uh, and maybe, hopefully, by tomorrow we'll be back to one eighty two. But, not, but if not, I'll definitely see it by the end of the week. Or maybe I did gain weight, you know. Maybe, uh, maybe I fucked up. But I really, I highly doubt it. Highly doubt it. So the other thing was that with while I was doing the kettlebell swings, I kind of slacked it with the um, other forms of exercise that I was going to do. The eight minute body weight workout that I mentioned in the article that 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 really didn't happen. I think I did that for two days. However, there there was a side effect that one of the days, the two days that I do did do them, I really drastically went down on the intensity for the 8-minute bodyweight workout. I did the easiest exercises that I could, and I really wasn't trying to go all out because I knew I was still going to do some other workouts throughout the day. And I find that today, I, 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 without even putting it on my to-do list, actually I did put it on my to-do list, but without a lot of effort, I did the 8-minute workout. So I think we're on to something here with some consistency with the 8-minute workout moving forward moving forward forward. I'm going to continue to do 300 kettlebell swings a day like I said it's not that much um, it really doesn't take that much time and you can do them pretty fast I'm doing, I'm doing them with a 35 pound kettlebell and I'm doing them I'm thinking over 3 hours so I'll do 100 kettlebells um, every hour um, in sets of 25 and it's pretty enjoyable gets my heart rate up, but it's not difficult at all. And that's what I'm going to keep doing. So that's what came out of this experiment. Really good experiment. I liked it. Let's talk about the blog post today. New experiment. New week, new experiment. And this week's experiment is meditating one hour every day. <clears throat> um, yesterday, as I was thinking what experiment to do this week, this just kind of came to mind. And I have had med. I've had um, I've done hour long meditations in the past on my own and um, guided with people. Like I've gone to places where they helped me do like several hour long meditations, but I've never done it consistently. So I want to see what happens once I do it for like a week. Let's say if there's any benefits, any extra benefits over my ten minute daily meditation practice. So that's the purpose of the experiment. Are there any? Benefits that I'm missing out on by doing a daily long meditation practice, about an hour long, um, over my 10-minute practice. And that's that's what I want to see. The things that might happen that I see that could happen is frustration, but I don't know. I don't know if frustration would be one because the whole point of meditation is that once you get frustrated, you have something to focus on. You have the frustration to focus on. And so I did it today, and it was quite enjoyable because uh, it was odd. It felt like when when I ended, I felt like I had just started, if that makes any sense. Because of the the things that I was focusing on, the technique that I'm using is, is a technique that was taught to me by a monk in Thailand. And it was like a focus on any little thing that comes up. So any little sound sensation, so that's what I'm doing, and then occasionally I will come back to the breath. I'll focus on any sound, any sensation, any thought that comes up. I'll just uh, I'll just give it the attention that that it that it wants because it's like it comes up and it wants to be. It wants me to give it attention, so that that's what I'll do. Um, but then I'll occasionally come back to the thought. I mean to to my breath to focusing on the breath i won't explore my thoughts or i won't uh, try not to sometimes i will um but today was enjoyable and that is this week's experiment let's talk about the books baby hitting the books you've been hitting the books i'm hitting the books reading right now the knowledge by stephen pressfield which is that book that is part nonfiction and part fiction because it's about his life stephen pressfield's life and but it's got fake characters and fake and he added like some fiction to it. Anyways, I'm really enjoying it. Um, because it, the whole book is about him. I guess it leads up to him writing his most popular book, The War of Art. Yeah, I, I stopped there because I'm I'm making sure I'm not saying the art of war, right? And it's a pretty entertaining story. I love his writing style because it's about three to five pages. Each chapter's about three to five pages. That's 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 it. It's all you need, baby. 3 to 5 page chapters. <laughs> At least that's what I can handle. And it keeps me entertained cuz I mean, I'll read like 3 or 4 chapters a night. And then boom. And then some and then the thing is that I find my I find myself reading even more. I find myself reading even more because the chapters are so are so short. Maybe it's just that enjoyable. I don't know if other people would really enjoy it as much as I do. The reason I enjoy it so much is because I read The the War of Art or The War of Art because um, I read it twice and I really enjoyed it and when uh, when I found out that this is all about how he wrote it, that's why I'm so into it but yeah, give it a try if you read The War of Art or any of, St- of Stephen Pressfield's books give it a try, I'm really enjoying it so let me share some knowledge we're going to share some some knowledge you know that i learned in the last two days um cheat day so i gained like <laughs> the reason i said that it it made sense that my weight went up so much is because we ate we ate me and my friend daniel ate three pounds of pasta so three whole like pasta packets um and here's a piece of knowledge that i that is truly a piece of knowledge there is a pasta type called the uh, I believe it is bucatini. Let me see. Bu, let me type it in. Bucalini, bucatini, bucatini. It's bucatini. Bucatini is basically spaghetti, but with a hole through the middle. It's a, it's a tubular pasta. And what I'm thinking and what I've heard is that it's like since it has the tube in the middle, sauce gets in, and you have like this extra flavor the sauce gets in and you have this extra flavor isn't that genius it's not super thick it's not super it is a little bit thicker than a spaghetti noodle but it's not super thick not not a whole lot thicker i just think this is the greatest invention ever and i found that out on i found that out on saturday when i was making pasta why would i ever use spaghetti over bucatini i'll tell you why <laughs> maybe because if you want to if you want to suck it up you know how you can <laughs> You know what I mean? You grab the pasta and you you do that. Yeah, you you could do it with this one, but it's it's a little weirder because you can breathe through the hole. It's it's like a bunch of little straws. <laughs> maybe that's why you would want a spaghetti over bucatini. Still, the fact that maybe some sauce will get in there, you know, definitely some olive oil and and if you're cooking with some garlic and olive oil, and you're like tossing it when you're making some aglio aglio e olio uh pasta you know it'll definitely get in there and add some extra flavor come on baby you need you need that extra flavor so that's definitely something i learned this weekend that i think should be spread this should be common knowledge um i did have to go to like uh, a fancier store um uh, central market which is like a whole foods uh, that's where i found it i don't know if they have it at h-e-b which is like the regular store, but, um, yeah, Bucatini, get yourself some Bucatini and make some carbonara. And when you make carbonara, make sure you don't scramble your eggs. I think you see in the instructions of the carbonara recipe I was making, it said, take out the pasta from the pasta water and immediately put it into the egg yolks immediately. Immediately means right then and there, right? And so, of course, I take my pasta out of the pasta water once it's done cooking. And it's steaming fucking hot because it was in boiling water. And I fucking throw it into this, this bowl where I have my, uh, my egg yolks. And I start tossing my fucking pasta because you're supposed to start tossing your pasta. And lo and behold, it starts cooking my eggs. I see little, little tiny little chunks. And I'm like, what the fuck? What the fuck, Bon Appetit? Bon appétit. You said uh, you said immediately, and now you're fucking you're cooking my eggs. What the hell, man? So I don't know. Is is carbonara? Are you supposed to scramble your eggs? I don't think you are. I don't think you are. I really don't think you are. Either way, it came out fucking delicious. So, whatever. But it didn't scramble that bad. It wasn't like a scramble, scramble. It because I kept moving it, you know, I kept tossing my pasta, tossing and tossing. And I just had these tiny little like tiny, the tiniest little egg chunks. Tiniest little egg chunks. Still pissed me off though. So that's the question of the day. Scramble or not in Carbonara? I think it's not. I, I, I think I don't think you are supposed to. Anyway after the carbonara actually carbonara was the last thing i made before that i made fettuccine alfredo Fettuccini alfredo and here's the thing i didn't know that fe- fer- fettuccini alfredo didn't have a alfredo they didn't have uh cream or like a heavy cream so it's just it's just the uh, the sauce is just butter and cheese anyways i'm making my my sauce of just butter and cheese and one of the things I read on the reviews for the uh, recipe was that the, they had a problem with cheese clumping. And that's what started to happen. And I was like, what the fuck's going on here? I started freaking out. Um, I started I started to get really sad as I was making my sauce because it wasn't getting creamy. It was just a bunch of uh, cheese chunks and butter. But then I threw in the pasta and it got it all got fixed. Like, it's like the pasta helped. It helped, like... Give the cheese something to grab onto other than itself. And it looked, it came out pretty delicious. My advice, throw in the pasta a little sooner. As soon as you start throwing in the cheese, start throwing in the pasta. Start tossing. Start tossing, baby. (sighs) So we're into our last topic, cheat day. I mean, I was giving you some advice on on pastas, but yeah, this cheat day, ate three pounds of pasta, Two pounds of Bucatini pasta, one pound of uh, Alfredo, or fettuccini. <laughs> What's the pasta? Fettuccini or Alfredo? Let's find out. Motherfucker. I, I think I'm pretty sure it's fettuccini. Yeah. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. Yep, I think. Fettuccine is a type of pasta, popular in Roman and Tuscan cuisine. Tuscan? Tuscan. Tuscan. So I made a pound of that and a pound of uh, Bucatini, made carbonara, made the Alfredo, and then I made some Aglio e Olio with kale. Aglio e Olio, which is how I think you pronounce it, was first brought to my attention with the movie Chef. When uh, the guy makes the fucking pasta, to Scarlett Johansson. And Scarlett Johansson basically has an orgasm right then and there. And then uh, then Binging with Babish recreated the pasta to teach you how to make it. And he was like, holy shit, this is amazing pasta. I've made it in the past. Binging with Babish makes it with uh, parsley. I've made it with parsley, fucked it up a few times because I put too much parsley. Don't put too much parsley. It fucks it up. Let me just tell you right now. It fucks it up. Um, some, one of the times I remember I overcooked my garlic, terrible. Anyways, the point is that I wasn't impressed. Now this weekend I made aglio e olio with kale. Now what I did with the kale is that I, I boiled it a bit. I boiled it, then I ran it into cold water. And then once I was frying my garlic, I threw in little pieces of kale. Let me tell you something. Let me fucking tell you something. This shit was del- was delicious, absolutely delicious. I don't know what it was. I mean, it was definitely the kale. Why am I saying I don't know what it was? I know what it was. It was the kale. I was surprised. Holy shit! The kale gave it like a taste, like a. What <sighs> what would I say? Like uh oh no, well it was like it was like a shrimp. Me and Daniel both agreed. Yo, bro, this shit needs some shrimp, huh? He was like, "Fuck yeah, it does." I was like, "Holy shit! We just made, we just made seafood pasta without any seafood, bro." That kale came through. Now kale, 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 you, your uh, your texture sucks. So, do something about that. But other than that, I mean, you added some flavor. Well, we've come to the end of the show. All right, look. Everything I talk about is in the show notes. You already know. You want the recipes, they're in the show notes. You want the books, they're in the show notes. You want your free subscription, the Scribd, it's in the show notes. I'm going to leave you with this, right? I'm going to leave you with a quote from Marie Kondo. Marie Kondo. Con Marie. Um, Where she's talking about letting go of old gifts and keepsakes. You see, within her process, the last step is to sort your... uh, your like memorable items, your, your things that you have an emotional attachment to. So in this part, she's talking about things with specifically past relationships. And uh, this is the quote she says. Here we go. It is not our memories, but the person we have become because of those past experiences that we should treasure. This is the lesson these keep, keepsakes teach us when we sort them. The space in which we live should be for the person we are becoming now, not for the person we were in the past. And that's it, baby. That's part of a philosophy. Beautiful book. Grab the book.